This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Press Ward Scott here in the Manly Ward Old Man Cave in the piney woods of North Central Florida on a glorious morning. And uh, we are, of course, in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. And today on Wednesday is always our great day with our former House representative, the Miss Ariette Ted Yoho, who is in Wilaka. Uh, he may be in a bomb shelter right now. I don't know where he is. <laughs> He's got an explanation <laughs> for it. We're building one. Yeah, they're building one over there where he is. And uh, we want to thank all of our uh, sponsors and our contributors. And uh, today is a histor- morning after a- an historic day, if you will. Um, <clears throat> many of you may not fully understand because you've been asking me questions about it, which I don't really have the answers for. But I got the man who does. So uh, hopefully. Vote, hopefully. We got, we're going to devote a good little bit of time today to uh, what happened and where we go from here and how we got here. I think that'll basically be the structure of the show and uh, Ted reminded me just a moment ago that clear back in January, he wrote an editorial about why Kevin McCarthy should not be the speaker and it, it would eventually lead to this day. Boy, if that's in prophecy, I don't know what is. So, uh, Ted, good morning. And uh, good morning. You know, welcome once again for <clears throat> answering the bell no matter what. I know you said you have construction people there uh, working on your place, but uh, right. you know, this is a big deal here and you predicted it. I remember you discussing this uh, from time to time on the Wednesdays that you just didn't think McCarthy had what it took, and eventually this would wind up somehow like this. So right. eventually it has, and um, take us from there. How we got here, where we are, and where we're going, I guess, is a structure for a little while of conversation. Sure. You know, I'll be glad to. And, you know, I just want to remind people that when something like this happens, there's always the knee-jerk reaction, and they focus on the now but when you go after or look at Kevin McCarthy's history since he came into Congress, even his previous employer, who was a congressman, uh, said he would not support Kevin McCarthy to be a congressman because of certain things. And you have to go back and read that. So when I came into Congress, Kevin was part of the Young Guns with Paul Ryan and Eric Canner. And they were this big, supposedly, movement of new young blood coming into Congress that were going to be leaders. And so Kevin's always been part of the leadership team. But I can tell you this, when, um, uh, in fact, I started talking to members back in October before the speaker's race saying, you've got to nominate somebody other than Kevin. And the sentiment was they, they did, they needed to. And um, it was funny because uh, I wrote that editorial and I, I outlined all the reasons that I felt from my experience that Kevin should not be a leader or the the speaker of the house. He's a weak leader. 
He doesn't know how to really move things forward. He talks the great talking points. You know, we're always stronger if we stick together. You know, if we're united, we're stronger and we're going to jam the, the, the Democrats. And, you know, he had the political talking points, but he didn't have the gravitas, the, 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 the ability to lead people to buy into something because he played the political game. His whole thing was, I remember when he asked me when I was in Congress, he wanted to be the speaker after we ousted John Boehner, which was historic at the time. Uh, that was the first time a sitting speaker of the House left without death or without uh, a scandal. And it's because we brought up the motion to vacate the chair and all that. So Kevin asked me, um, you know, to support him. And we talked about it. And I says, well, why, why should I support you for speaker? Well, he goes, well, I've raised more money than Paul Ryan or uh, John Boehner ever did. And I said, you know, Kevin, I, I know a certain amount of money is necessary, but that doesn't impress me. I said, you know, so, you know, to be honest with you, the money is going to follow the title. And um, he goes, well, I passed over 750 bills, whatever it was, it was over 700 bills. And I said, again, Kevin, that doesn't impress me either. I says, you and I both know when it comes down to the end of the Congress, maybe, maybe five to 10 percent of those will be passed. And I said, let me ask it. Do the American people need another 700 bills? I said, but let me tell you what they do need. And he goes, what's that? I said, we need our 12 appropriations out by April to June, somewhere in there, so that we have our spending all lined up and that we don't go into these CRs. All right, so that was back probably six years ago. So here we are today, and it's still going on. I mean, Kevin is doing the same thing he's always did, and it was interesting because this was all outlined in the editorial I did. So now comes the race in January, and we saw the historic 15 different votes before he could get elected as speaker. And um, uh, it was interesting because one of his uh, leadership buddies, uh, a, a gentleman out of Louisiana, it wasn't Steve Scalise, uh, called me up and asked me if I could swing Laura Luna out of Florida to change her vote to vote for Kevin. And, and he caught himself and he goes, well, Ted, I guess before I ask you to do that, where would you be with Kevin? And I says, I said, Garrett, I wouldn't support him for these reasons. I says, he goes back on his word. He's weak in leadership. He goes after members of his own party if they don't agree with him. And he'll, he'll fund the, uh, the, the, the primary challenger to a Republican. Uh, Steve King's got a great book. It's called, uh, Walking Through the Fire. My fight to save the soul of America. He's got a whole chapter dedicated to Kevin and the, the vindictive things that he will do to a person to go after him, to get rid of him in Congress. So these are his own members of Congress that he'll cannibalize because they don't play the Kevin McCarthy game. And, um, and so for these reasons, I told that to Garrett, uh, I, I wasn't going to say his name. I told that to that representative about Louisiana. Uh -huh. And you know, what was funny? He agreed with me on everything. He says, Absolutely. He does that. He does that. He does that. But then he supports him. And then, you know, we have our representative that nominated him and she knew better because she she was there with me all that time. And I was a little disappointed in that because, you know, it's the old adage, a leopard, you're not going to change the spots on a leopard or stripes on a tiger. Um, and, um, uh, you know, it's just a shame. And this fight should have happened in January, and they made a great attempt to do that. 
to do it now, you know, when you look at the legislative calendar in Congress, it's a two two year window, right? So we're at the end of the first year, basically, because you've got a 45 day CR. There's going to be another CR. And I mean, when Paul Ryan was there, the guy that wanted to get rid of CRs, I think we had seven or nine CRs. Some of them were 48 hours. It's ridiculous. And so they're going to focus on that between now and Christmas of getting this country funded so we don't have these starts and stops, starts and stops without a speaker. So this fight should have happened when Kevin McCarthy first made that um, uh, raising the debt ceiling. They should have got rid of him then because he showed who he was. You know, he, he had more Democrats support him on that bill than Republicans. So we are where we are now. And to put Patrick McHenry in charge, uh, number one, it's a slap to Steve Scalise. And we knew there was a rift between uh, McCarthy and Scalise. Um, and again, it's a jealousy thing. Steve is highly liked in the conference. Kevin isn't. And so to put Kevin, um, um, uh, Patrick McHenry, who is a, a little Nazi, I shouldn't say that on the air, but he's, he's, he's a power driven person that wants power. And then his first um, um, action was to um, uh, check out of Congress until what Tuesday of next week. Um, they're gonna they're gonna pick who they want to be the the next chairman. It'll be either Tom Emmer, Tom Cole, and I think they should really go with somebody that's not in leadership. I think they ought to take maybe uh, Kevin Hearn, who is the chairman of the um, uh, Republican Study Committee. It's a conservative group. It's not the most conservative group. But he's a businessman. Uh, he's an aerospace engineer. He's a franchise owner of McDonald's, multimillionaire from Oklahoma. He is a no-nonsense guy, and he's got the business acumen that could whip people together. And then another person would be Mike Johnson out of Louisiana or um, somebody I didn't really uh, have a lot of interaction with is Elise Stefanik out of New York. Her, fam her family's in the lumber business. Um, and again, she's part of leadership, but she's one of those people that'll get things done. And she, she doesn't have to play nice to everybody. She's just going to tell you how it is and, and moves forward. And I think she would be a very strong leader. Or do you ever think what would have happened if Liz Cheney didn't show her true colors uh, during the Trump era? Liz Cheney would still be there. And Liz Cheney would probably be your next Speaker of the House. Ooh. Now, that's a scary thought because we know what her politics are and they ain't friendly to America. They, they aren't friendly to the founding principles and the core values. She'll, she would bend the rules just like Pelosi and just like her dad did. So that's my take on it. Well, that's, very, that's a very good um, um, summation there. We've got a couple of questions coming in. One is... You know, a lot of people making something of this. Does this vacating show any weakness in the Republican Party? No, um, I think that weakness has been self-evident over the last 10 years. I mean, look at look at look at how weak their majority win was. You know, and again, this goes back to Kevin. Um, you know, he 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 would go out and bloviate about how much money he raised and how he's helping these people. But he's helping candidates that may not be the ones that the, the, the constituents want to send up here. He'll back probably the weaker candidate um, in a district 
because that candidate will align with him more. And so does it show weakness in the Republican Party? I think it shows just the the disarray of the Republican Party, which I guess would be um, a spillover sign of weakness. What they need to do now to show that they can lead is pick a speaker right off the bat. Uh, again, it was a mistake for um, Patrick McHenry to gavel out uh, for the next until next Tuesday, um, and then come in with an agenda get to get your appropriations done. Have a plan to not do another CR. You may have to do another CR because you only have forty five days, but to get the um, uh, the eight appropriation bills that haven't been passed to get those where they're passed through committee. And that you can finally get control of the out of control spending and um, gear up for the next uh, election cycle. Because after they come back from Christmas, uh, the Christmas break, what they're going to do is politicians focus on their next election. So there's not going to if you look at the legislative calendar up to this point, it'll have what's going to be there for next year. And I suspect it's going to change. But I would I would bet there's they're not going to be in session more than 100 days next year uh, because it's all geared to the next election. So very little legislative work gets done. And this is where the Republicans can uh, break the habit or the form of what they've been doing and just say, we will not do any more congressional delegations. That means we're not traveling to any foreign countries. We're not going to you know, take any time off. We're going to be here five to six days a week, and we are going to straighten this out for America. And the American people deserve it. Now, that would be leadership if they were to do that. And um, and so it's unfortunate it happened at this point of time. But uh, sometimes it's, you got to just rip the Band-Aid off. And, uh, you know, Gates, whether you like him or not, he created activity. And with activity, you know, um, um, you know it's interesting. Horses get an ulcer in their eye. And other animals do, too. But it'll become a non-healing ulcer, and they call it an indolent ulcer. And it'll, I mean, it'll just go on. And the way you fix that is you go in there and you scarify it. That means I would actually take a hypodermic needle, and I'd do a grid pattern across it. And it takes something from a chronic problem to an acute problem, and then it heals up. And so that's where we're at in Congress. Interesting. Interesting. And the horse it helps- is. The horse That's held science still. there. The horse held still for that, huh? <laughs> With a twitch on their nose and some uh, happy drugs. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> somebody making sure you weren't around in the back. With the I kid. had a steady hand. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the chat line here. If you have any questions or anything, put them in the chat line. Yeah, bring the questions on. Bring the questions on. We talked about vacating, show weakness or not. Uh, of course, Gates is a lightning rod. Uh, some people don't like him at all. Can you you explain a little bit behind that? He's got a quirky personality. He's kind of a showboat. Actually, he's got a podcast, and it's a good podcast. It's called Firebrand, I think. And of course, he lives up to that. <clears throat> he wanted to become a member of the Freedom Caucus, and um, there was a vote. I was in there. And we did not vote to let him in because of his antics. And um, I can't say he's well-liked. Um, you know, he's um, he talks to everybody. He'll have a conversation. Uh, but he, he can be very condescending, smarter than you. And uh, um, he's a great debater. Um, he's smart. He's articulate. And, um, you know, when you listen to his argument, you, you can't argue 
with why he did this. And um, uh, Carolyn and I kind of had a chuckle last night because uh, Kevin McCarthy kind of probably regrets telling uh, Matt Gates, go ahead and bring the effing um, bring motion it on, to vacate yeah. up. I don't care. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, we got you a might guy want to Atlanta. rethink that. We got a guy in Atlanta, a good, a good viewer here, a good friend, says he'll register to vote in Florida if you'll run for speaker. But actually, you don't have to run for speaker. You could actually be tapped, right? I could be nominated and run. Uh, it was interesting because, you know, if you go back when we challenged Boehner, the whole reason was there was no leadership and there was no vision where the Republican Party was going. And I don't want to say the Republican Party a vision for where America was going, because I had to remind those guys, I didn't work for the Republican party. I worked for the people that sent me. And, um, you know, I worked for the, uh, my constituents representing the country. Um, and, um, I forget what the question was. What well, did he say? Be nominated. How would you become? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I ran against Boehner, you know, I put my name in there, but what I did do to make it serious is I had drafted, what I would do as speaker and it, we would go to a two year budgeting because right now it's January to October, then it starts all over again. And so they're always focused on the now. If you did a two year budgeting start January and say you were to get your 12 appropriations, which I would get them out because I would put pressure on those committee chairmen to get those uh, bills out. And if they couldn't do it, I would re relieve that person as speaker. And I talked to Eric Canner about this and I said, Eric, you only have to relieve one or two and the others will tighten up and get their job done. You mean as a chair, and then, the chairs of their committees, the committee chairman. Yeah. Yeah. You would relieve them. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, if you can't get your job done, I don't need you. And so if can you imagine if we were to get all the appropriations out for two years by by June of the first uh, year of Congress? Now, I've got 18 months that we can go in there and make significant improvements in programs, whether it's the USDA, Health and Human Services, any of the education. You can really focus on that homeland security at this point in time. It is a crisis right now. Uh, which is something I want to talk to you because I think we there's got to be a way we the people can sue the United States government and the Biden administration for bringing this upon us. I mean, we all have standing in this in one way or another, but that was my agenda to be the Speaker of the House. This is what we're doing. The interesting thing is the appropriators pushed back on it and they said, we're appropriators. We do this. This is what we do every year. And uh, some of them said, well, I'm a cardinal. I'm like, what do you mean you're a cardinal? You don't look Catholic to me. Um, a cardinal is in the leadership of appropriations. If you're a cardinal, if they walk around like, kiss my ring. And, um, you know, that whole mindset has to go because they forget they're working for the American people. They think they're there that you should bow to them and, and uh, leave alms at the altar of the appropriators. Um, there's some good ones up there, uh, but others, they take it uh, as a title that they're very proud of. And I think when you start serving a position and working to, to win that position like Kevin McCarthy did, it kind of reminds me when we played football. Um, the coach told us one day, you know, because there are some people on there that are kind of slackers and we're dressed out for a game. He goes, I want to know if you boys are here to play football or are you playing at football you know you're walking around into jersey you know letting people hey i'm on the football team but are you actually playing the game are you in the game to win and kevin was a guy that was playing at speaker 
Well, I'm going to tell you when I'm looking at some of the chat line stuff. Uh, of course, I don't think you have been all much in favor of this to begin with. But where does this leave the Biden impeachment inquiry? I, I think Biden should have been impeached. I thought Obama should have been impeached because they did things that went against Article 2, Section 3. The president shall faithfully execute the laws of the land. Um, as far as the inquiry, if they're going to do it, do it and get it done with. You know, don't sit and drag this out. And this is what's going to happen. I mean, you look at the Hunter Biden thing. We've been almost a whole year going into Hunter Biden, and they haven't subpoenaed him. They haven't gotten what they wanted, and they'll go through next year, and then the new Congress will be in, and if the Democrats come, it all goes away. It's all wasted. If they're going to do it, do it now and get it done with, and if you're going to do the impeachment on, on Biden, do it now. You know, Don't draw it out for six months to do the inquiry. Do it and get it done with, and this is the thing that just drives me crazy up there because they have no urgency. You know, they'll talk about it. And Jim Jordan's great at talking about, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that. And I like Jim as a person, but I sometimes question his motives. Well, uh, very interesting discussion. Tim Martin's on here, chair of our local Republican yeah. Party, says he likes some aspects, some aspects he doesn't. Uh, and he's not really, uh, see if I can get this right, um, um, he, he's analyzing in a vacuum. Um, let's help him with that vacuum. The debt, particularly, he brings up. Doesn't this need to be addressed? Oh, absolutely. That was the whole thing with getting your 12 appropriations out. And this goes into my list. Number one is our debt, our national debt. It is going to kill us. I was talking to a multimillionaire yesterday, very wealthy, successful guy. He said the talk in the financial worlds are that the dollar will collapse in the near future. The countries, you can talk to the guy that sponsors or runs your station. You and I were there when he said uh, he's been in two or three countries where the, their currency collapsed. Oh, yeah. And it went immediately to 30% of what it was worth. So the dollar would go to 30% of its value. And after 30 days, it went to zero. So to go back to Tim's question, this is a, um, probably the biggest threat to America's sovereignty and uh, security as a nation is our national debt. And again, Kevin McCarthy's had 10 months to get something done, and they've got four appropriations out. Only one of them had been passed. The other three just got passed, you know, but it was like, what, within the last two or three weeks? And it's, it's just a travesty of the role that Congress has been tasked with that they don't do. There was a bill written in 1974 that said all appropriations should be done by June. So again, this goes back to leadership. If leadership cared about what this country was, where it was going and the ills of this, um, they would have had this handled. They would not have taken a six week uh, break. In fact, when Trump was in office, we had the same situation because we had the same leadership team. Um, I wrote him a letter. The president can call Congress back into session if it needs to be. And I asked him to call Congress back into session because we hadn't finished. I think it was the appropriations and there was the CR and all this garbage going on and just say, you're back in session until you fix this problem. You've heard those stories where some of the leaderships in um, management, they would um, um, have a boardroom meeting, but they would take all the chairs out. 
And so everybody had a stand so they didn't get comfortable <laughs> and they would stay there until they solved the problem. And I mean, that's to me, they've, they've got, they can't do what they've done. I mean, we all know what the definition of, of insanity is and we're witnessing it now. Yeah. Well, somebody wants to know a little bit more explanation about a continuing resolution. Continuing resolution means that they're going to the government will continue spending at the current levels for that given amount of days. So this last one was a 45 day period of time so that all programs keep going on and they keep getting funded at that current level. So there's no changes, there's no cuts, there's no increases. Of course, the things that we're funding have all been increased under uh, O'Biden. And, um, and so the Democrats came out really well with Republican leadership. Uh, they've pretty much got what they wanted. It's a, it, again, it, it goes back to a lack of leadership. And a question too: What did Pelosi do differently that made her so? I don't, I don't know. Effective is the right word, but two things. Huh? Two things. One is if you remember that interview with her daughter, uh, telling how ruthless she was. She said she could slice your throat before you knew it and be smiling at you. Uh-huh. So she was ruthless. And she treated her members that way. The second thing is she's a Democrat and the Democrats, they're like uh, flies on manure. (laughs) They all Uh stick together. They stick together like a ball of sticky rice Um, and they stay lockstep. Republicans are more free spirited, more free thinking, but with the right leadership that had an agenda and saying, this is what we're doing. And and you get that by having buy-in at the beginning of the conference. And it would say, if I were the speaker, I would sit down with the new Congress. We'd get to know everybody real briefly and just say, all right, we've got two years to change the direction of America. What's important to you, Ward? What's important to you, Zach? What's important to you, the next person? And I'll guarantee you, you'll have about seven, five to 10 hot items that they want to work on. Say, great. This is what I see. And this is what I think we should focus on. And we're going to prioritize these and then go do it. And, um, you know, I don't need to have committee hearings. Um, and that's something else. I would pause a lot of the committee hearings except on national security and maybe on uh, debt um, and the border and get to work on these other problems that they don't spend enough time on. That's what I would do for speaker. That's my uh, that's my nomination speech. <laughs> well, we got we to make that happen here. Uh, we're at 926, almost up to the bottom of the hour. If you have questions or comments, please put them in the chat line here. I'm taking a look at them now and passing them along. And we are discussing an historic day yesterday, which was a removal of a Speaker of the House. And we also are looking now for what's going to happen in the future. So the structure so far has been how we get here, where are we, and where are we going? And I think we're probably in the midst of a discussion about how we got here, uh, where we are, Maybe we'll pick that up after the bottom of the hour break. And, of course, where we're going is one of those questions that, uh, wow. We absolutely are going into chaos, really, literally, if the value of our dollar evaporates. And don't think it can't happen. Uh, Ted and I know a fellow, we won't say who it is, who has had to leave three countries because of that. That's right. Countries were very wealthy. Uh, they were run very well, except that the incompetent took it over. Right. And we're very much like that here. 
we have so many incompetent people in places they have no business being. I mean, really, let's face the truth. Well, and- when we come back, I want I want people and I want you with your your listening base. I want them to understand if the Republicans lose the majority, you're going to have Hakeem Jeffries and Chuck Schumer and and uh, Joe, uh, Joe Biden for the next year and a half or year or whoever's in the White House. If it's a Democrat, you're going to have a very liberal progressive um, who is basically a Marxist, a Lou Farrakhan follower as the House Speaker and Chuck Schumer. Um, and you can just see where America's heading and uh, the nightmare that would bring. You're talking about Chuck U. Schumer? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh. I have to give him a tip of the hat for that one. Yeah. Uh, Chuck U. Schumer. There you go, Rush. Oh. Yeah, there you go, Rush. Got sand all over me. Oh, boy. We're going to be back in a moment after uh, with Ward's weather, uh, thanks to Lewis Oil. So stay tuned and feed me some questions in the chat line. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Oh, a warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help!
Welcome back to Ward's Weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron Station's Fossil Fuel, great supporters of the Ward Scott Files. And if you want to donate to the Ward Scott Files, don't be shy, because we try to bring you great programs like this one right here with our representative, Ted Yoho, with the inside scoop on what's going on in our country. Don't be afraid to chip in and help out your community by helping us help you. Well, we're in pretty good weather right now in the 70s and up in the high 90s. But, you know, there's something interesting going to happen. Uh, apparently, at 2.20 p.m., uh, I guess it's this Wednesday, uh, the federal government is going to conduct a nationwide test of its emergency alert system and wireless emergency alerts. So uh, the purpose of this, and this is October 4th, so it'll be today, is to ensure that the systems continue to be effective, means of warning the public about emergencies, particularly those on the national level. So don't jump out of your skin if you hear this emergency alert. Don't panic. It's supposedly at 2.20 p.m. Eastern time today. There you go. You heard it on the Word Scott Files. Uh, Caliber Coffee, uh, one of our sponsors, we are working right now and should have it available to you in a day or two, a code you may use for a discount if you order from Caliber Coffee. But Caliber Coffee was featured on Fox the other morning. And we're going to show you. It's about a two-minute little clip. Run it, please, production. It is International Coffee Day, and what better way to celebrate than with some veteran-owned coffee companies. Up first is CEO of Caliber Coffee Company, Kirk Litton, and Jamin McCallum, who's also a major, major in the South Carolina Army National Guard, correct? Right. Outstanding. Uh, the, he's the founder and CEO of JJE Capital, the parent company of Caliber Coffee. Major, tell us about Caliber Coffee. Well, first of all, the coffee tastes great. And if you're looking <laughs> which one to get, 300 Black House, fantastic. But second of all, we started this company. We dedicated it to making sure a portion of the profits go to preserve the First and Second Amendments. Um, in the era of woke corporations trying to tell you how to act and think, we are here to preserve the individual liberties of the American people. I love it. That is the vision. Yeah. And Kurt is the CEO yeah. and makes fantastic I mean, coffee. Caliber Coffee's got four easy words. Faith, family, firearms, and coffee. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and all of it rolls from there. Everything we deal with, everybody we deal with on a daily basis, faith, family, free, uh, firearms, and coffee. So we've got four roasts. We, we basically base it on ammunition. So the lighter the roast, the, he- the lighter the roast, uh, the lighter the ammo, the lighter the roast, heavier the ammo, heavier the roast. So we've got 22 cal. Uh, it's our light roast, 9mm medium, 44 mags are espresso, and 300 blackout is our extra dark. Uh, we're down in South Carolina. We're a small batch roaster. Uh, really excited about being here today and hanging out with uh, Pete, Rachel, and uh, Joey. It's, and it's fantastic uh, coffee. I'm drinking the 300 blackout. It's phenomenal. And by the way, I wore that T-shirt on Gutfeld the other day. It's a good one. Freedom. Yeah, we've got, we've got whole beans and K-cups and everything else. And uh, you go to calibercoffeecompany.com today. You get 20% off. If you use code FOX, you can also save 30% on your first uh, order if you do sign up for a monthly subscription today using code FOX. CaliberCoffee.com. Use the code FOX and you get 20%. Yeah. CaliberCoffeeCompany.com. Great to see you both. CaliberCoffeeCompany.com. We'll be giving you a discount code tomorrow. I think we're getting it worked up right now. that you can order directly, use that code, and get a discount for your coffee. So here we go. I've got it in the Gator's Cup right now. We're waiting on Ted to come back with us. He had to make a phone call. My golly, maybe he got a phone call from D.C. saying, we're going to nominate you for Speaker of the House. I think he'd be wonderful. And um, we know his plans for the future for 2028. Uh, we spilled the beans the other day here on the show. 
So if you've got any conversations you want to get to him, I'm looking at the chat line and um, we're trying to sort all this out. And basically the structure of our conversation has been, how do we get here? Where are we and where are we going? And a couple of the items we haven't brought up yet, of course, are immigration. Uh, I'm going to discuss that with Ted when he gets back. If you have an angle of that you're interested in, please let me know. Um, it is all about leadership. It is always about leadership. And it's about courage. You know, I was president of the College Senate at Santa Fe for four years. And I've got to tell you right now, um, personal looks and feelings, if the chairman of a committee working for you is not doing his job or her job, you got to get him out. Because it's not about them. It's about the college. It's about the people you represent, in my case. And you need to get things done. Uh, there's so many people in these positions at all levels of our governments, local, especially here, by the way, uh, who are just not up to snuff, uh, just not able to do the work and shouldn't be doing the job in the first place. Um, but that's the way it is. And they've got it because, you know, you can vote if you can make a fog on a mirror. And that has been a real issue, the erosion of the responsibility of the voter. So um, we uh, got Ted back here now. And uh, Ted, we're, your ears should be burning. We're trying to, trying to make you the speaker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whether you want to or not, right? So uh, there we are. Uh, we were talking uh, on the break. Ted, I read something yesterday on the air that was very disturbing to me. And I don't know how the how, whether you saw it or not, but a few days ago, uh, Biden made a speech on um, ProPublica, I believe, ProPublica. We know it's very lefty. And he said, well, I'm going to paraphrase from memory. You have to be ready to be nice to the white people because they're going to be in the minority. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you hear about that? No, but I've heard that before, you know, and it, it's interesting because when they'll attack the Anglo-Saxon population <clears throat> over the immigration and the influx of all these other ethnic groups, and he said, and they'll say, oh, they're just afraid. They think we're trying to diminish them. Well, you damn right. That's exactly what they're doing. And they're doing it uh, artificially. <clears throat> And it's the same thing that happened in Belgium and the EU and London and France and those other countries. And it's interesting because there's a pushback on that. But, yeah, that's a very scary thing when the president of the United States of America makes that statement. And that statement is exactly uh, the reality. And then he tries to set up, of course, somebody like Trump as the white supremacist. Right, right. And so all of the Republicans collectively are white. And, of course, what he's saying is the Democrats are be trying to become a party of people of color. And <laughs> it is really that many of the Hispanic people are European uh, in ancestry. Um, it's just that they're not quite European. Right. You know, and it's a shame you and I wouldn't qualify to be a, 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 a senator nominee to fulfill Feinstein's seat because we're not a minority, we're not female, we're not gay, and, you know, but I can claim to be that. I wonder if I claim that, that Gavin Newsom might uh, not <laughs> appoint me. <laughs> well, i tell you something. Talking again while you were gone, that there are so many people in the government who are not qualified to be in it. Oh, and absolutely. 
I think it's because we have less responsibility on the part of the voter deliberately. We've tried to erode or uh, uh, evaporate the quality of voter. You know, look where we've come from what you had to once upon a time know to be a voter and to where we are now. Well, they're basic talking, civics. They're even talking about in New York letting the immigrants vote who aren't even citizens. Yeah. Well, that's that's been happening with the drive motor uh, registration laws. You know, these and, and the Democrats will all say, oh, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. But they know damn good and well it does. This is a time the American people need to wake up. And, you're, and that's, again, that's the value of your show. We've got some important things that we've got to fix in this country, and they need to start now. With the speaker race, pressure needs to be put on Kat Kamek, Rick Scott, Mark, and I guess they, they don't weigh into it, but our representatives for your listening area, Mike Waltz, Aaron Bean, you better elect somebody that's going to lead this country and get us, you know, somebody that's got a good game plan. Um, you know, maybe maybe we ought to get Deion Sanders primetime in there. <laughs> he can get something done. Um, I don't know, but this is when the voters, you can be mad, you can be aggravated about the Republican Party, but it is the party in charge now. And you better get the right person in there that's going to put a plan forward and say, we're going this way. And that person has to be able to bring the team together and uh, get the buy-in from members and put the urgency on that. This um, practice practice is over. The game is on. I'm going to tell you all, we're talking about uh, where we've been, how we got here, and where we might be going. And unfortunately, where we might be going could be pretty scary if we uh, just evaporate the value of the dollar by constantly spending money we don't have. One of the things that's very contentious, maybe get your thoughts on this, is just endless money contributions to Ukraine. Um, you know, and DeSantis was slammed for that. <clears throat> Hold on, we got to rein that in a little bit. What's going on here? And they wanted to cast him as somebody who was anti-American. Meanwhile, we know Biden's been making money off Ukraine. And yeah, you know, and and then, you know, you know what's so crazy about this? Wouldn't they call that quid pro quo if that was Trump? <laughs> well, they tried to call it. They tried to say that Trump was the whole time. Yeah. Biden was, you know. Um, but uh, this whole deal about constantly, you know, we walked off with enough uh, ammunition and firepower on the Afghanistan desert to give to uh, Ukraine. To, and, and it was, well, you know, Afghanistan has the sixth largest uh, uh, well-funded military now because of what we left. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I got it. Thanks to the American taxpayers and Miley. They put my rose-colored glasses on here. I'm going to see through something, you know. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, how, how would the speaker address that? You know, there's conversation here on this on the uh, chat line. What's happened to the Ukraine money? I hope it's maybe come to a halt. My personal feeling as I get more and more into this, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, the stories I've heard is that uh, a lot of that money that bought ammunition or the ammunition there's people in Ukraine selling the ammunition to other countries. Uh, and if that's going on again, that just shows you the corruption in Ukraine. Uh, you know, my take on it, we're members of NATO. NATO was formed for a reason. NATO needs to have this response. This does not need to be money from the United States of America supplemental to Ukraine. It needs to be a NATO response. Um, 
and that way it's cost shared between all NATO members because this is a um, an existential threat to the uh, European countries' uh, security, and that's the whole purpose of NATO. Um, just for America to do this solely, America versus Russian, uh, Russia. Now it's it's just, it's not just Russia; it's America versus China, North Korea, Iran, and we're the bad guys. This needs to be a NATO response. Use it for what it was built for, and uh, that's where I disagree with DeSantis. You know, I, I think there should be support, but it needs to be NATO support. Got a question here? Um, Biden gets up there and commits all the money, can Congress keep it from being actually delivered? Yeah. You know, this is the, the misnomer. It's not a misnomer. This is the, um, the the dereliction of duty of Congress. Congress has the purse strings. And they talk about having the purse strings, but they never really enforce it the way it needs to be. They could stop. They could stop funding the White House when Biden does like the school forgiveness, so you, if you do that, your travel expenses are cut off. They could do some heavy duty things to really squeeze the administration. Now, you can't do stuff that's going to interfere with national security, obviously. But they could really put the squeeze on all the agencies, you know, from the FBI to IRS to the USDA um, and just really cut the purse strings or tighten them down. Uh, but they don't do it because there is no leadership. There is no buy-in because nobody's going to follow a Kevin McCarthy. Um, very few people. And the people that follow him are people that want to be the next speaker. They're going to wait in line until somebody dies. Look at Steny Hoyer. He waited his whole life to be speaker and they bypassed him. Um, you know, it's some of the people in, in the Senate, same way. You know, I give kudos more to Rick Scott for having the backbone to challenge McConnell. I just want to know where all the, the limp um, jelly jellyfish backbone senators are that had a chance to really invoke great change in the Senate. You know, the way it happened in the House with Matt Gates, uh, it wasn't the best way. But again, it's kind of like that indolent ulcer. You got to turn a chronic situation into an acute situation so you can heal. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, where are we with the new senator from California? Uh, it's really more the same. It doesn't change any of the political balance, does it, in any way, except that she is LGBT um, and a minority. So that's a little right. bit and I think her claim to fame was she was a fundraiser for senatorial candidates. Um, is that the, I think it's a shame that people are putting, appointing other people into offices for social issues to check yeah. the box yeah. instead of looking for the most qualified person to run the country. And, uh, you know, I mean, you look at the Democratic Party, and I think the poster child is John Fetterman. I mean, is, seriously, this is the best you can do. Um, and then it goes downhill from there. You know, he should never have been in, elected to begin with. And that was very, very close, if I recall. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of funny business going on in there. And there's your Soros influence and the people and other groups like him. Keep in mind... You know, we see all this chatter and all this chaos going on. 
keep in mind what is happening. It's the Obamanization of America. Fundamentally transforming America, it started in 2009 when he announced we're going to fundamentally transform America. You're seeing it. You're seeing the Republican Party destroyed. You're seeing our culture destroyed. You're seeing the uh, the the Anglo-Saxon population being diluted on purpose. You're seeing nationality being diluted and taken away. And this goes into the World Economic Forum. I mean, people can say it's a conspiracy, but it's a factual and it's going on right now. You know, there's those people that want to be like the Jamie Dimons or the Klaus Schwabs um, run the world from the stage up here, the elite. The thing that's in their way is America. Uh, that wealthy guy I was talking to yesterday was saying that they the the reason they think our dollar is going to collapse is they think somebody's going to call our debt due. Really? And and if that happens, game's over. And then they were also talking about the possibilities of a civil war. And these are wealthy people. And he's telling me, he said, if you look at America, there's about 3,000 counties and counties are the defining aspect of American culture. You know, each county is different. Um, and I think it was 87% of those are red counties. 13% are blue counties. They got larger populations in the blue. And I think when you add up the population, it's about 51 or 53% are from the red counties and the others are from the blue. And the red counties aren't going to put up with the fundamental transformation of America. There'll be a flashpoint and they were predicting there could even be a civil war. And, you know, you hear all this stuff out there and, you know, let's pray to God we don't ever have another civil war in here, but let's remember why we had a civil war. So we do not make that mistake again and let's pull together as Americans. And, um, you know, we really have to become a unified body, you know, of Americans, not Republicans, Democrats, conservative, liberals, white, blacks, any of that other stuff. We're American at heart and we believe in these ideals and these ideals are what makes America, America. Question, Will, you discussed the Klaus Schwab World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. You want to discuss that? Yeah, a, question, a, a viewer does. Oh, um, Klaus Schwab is a German uh, industrialist, elite guy, wealthy guy, and he started the World Economic Forum. If I want, if I remember correctly, it started in the seventies. Um, but they become real, real vocal and very out in the open now. It used to be kind of secretive. Um, his latest statement, or I think his most damning statement, is by he said, "By 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy." Think of that. You will own nothing and you'll be happy because they don't want personal property. They don't want to have you own anything. And uh, the government will give you enough to make you happy. And you think of the socialists that are in office now, like the AOCs. She, like Obama, remember when Obama said nobody needs to make more than 250000 It might have even been 225000 That was his definition of rich. Of course, he's worth probably tens of hundreds of millions of dollars now. But he said, nobody needs to make more than 250000 Well, AOC now is saying that um, the top uh, 1% pay 50-some percent of the taxes. 
she says, well, we should go down to the top 5%. And, and those are the rich people. Anybody making over $250,000 is a rich person. And, um, and so they want to define what you'll be happy at. And I'll guarantee you, if it's the World Economic Forum, it ain't going to be $250,000. Of course, you may be a lot of money because you won't own anything. <laughs> it's scary that we would allow our country's sovereignty to be taken away. And I, I don't know if Lloyd Bailey listens, but Lloyd is a great constitutionalist, uh, as is Tim. And, um, you know, they, they know this stuff inside and out. Um, and the biggest concern we have is that if a country loses its national identity, its national sovereignty, it becomes subservient to another organization, and that would be the WEF, the World Economic Forum. Well, the United Nations certainly has been a irritant in all of that, and we finance that as well. It's, uh, yeah, we, we're the biggest funder to the to the United Nations, and. And I'm going to encourage your listeners to go, you've heard me talk about this, the SDG, Sustainable Development Goals. You can go to the UN website, type in SDG, the Sustainable Development Goals, and it'll give you a printout of 17 goals that they are pushing from the United Nations. And that those 17 goals tie right into the World Economic Forum of what they want to do. So they're working hand in hand. And uh, it's amazing as I travel how many people, legislators, are wearing that circular rainbow, which is the United Nations Sustainable Development Goal pin, lapel pin. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's South America, Central America, Asia, Vietnam. It's everywhere. Interesting. You just don't see a lot of it here in America. Interesting. Going with Ted Yellow, I'm at my clock here, about 9.53. We're going to have about another five minutes here in case you want to bring up something. Um, I remember your sheet I've got somewhere uh, with all the things on it, leadership, abomination of America. Um, education was in there. Uh, top one is debt. Top one is debt. No question about it. And I, that one's well, that's the one that keeps you going. I'll wake it. Everything collapses if you um, have to have a barrel of money to go down and get a loaf of bread. Which has happened. I mean, it sure has. You know, it's happened in people's lifetimes more than once. Uh, we know a person who has talked to us about that. And well, you know, from 1960 to now, the dollar has been devalued. I read this the other day. I think it's 90 percent. So, what a dollar would buy in the early 60s, you would need you would need ninety uh, percent more. So. What a dime would buy in back then, you need a dollar to pay for it now. Eskimo pie. I used to be able to get an Eskimo pie for a dime. <laughs> I used to pedal up to 7-Eleven and buy ice cream sandwiches, 11 cents. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my golly. Yeah. <laughs> By the time I got home, I wanted another one, but I didn't have another 11 cents. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, well, that's, you know... Uh, uh, a paper cup of tea is over three bucks. Is it really? Uh, yeah, one of these fast food places. Um, three bucks. I mean, three bucks. Uh, well, I don't. I don't. You know, you can't do that. Well, it's not yeah. sustainable, and so America needs to change course. 
we've got an opportunity to put a new leader in the House. Let's hope that the people in Congress come together and pick the very best leader they can to run this Congress through to the next Congress and do the best they can for America. And in so doing, maybe pick up a larger majority because the American people realize how critical we are as a nation of losing what we've had that we've taken. Unfortunately, even, you know, myself, we take so many of the blessings we have in this nation for granted. Uh, and we've done it for too long, and it's not its not going to last. Well, we were talking with Ted Yoho over 9.56. We'll probably check out here uh, and uh, catch this show. Uh, spread it around, you know, on your network. We're on about 37 different platforms, so it runs uh, 24-7, if you will, really 365. That's and, amazing. Uh, you haven't been bumped from any currently. Well, recently. you know, that word beep, fraud, has occurred so much that I don't think they can cover all the holes of the dike now. Uh, right. It's just not election fraud. Uh, it's all right. kinds of fraud. Um, we didn't even get into Trump's tribulation. Oh, no, we didn't, did we? No, we got a minute or two. We may touch on it. Yeah. Uh, again, I was talking to that person yesterday, and I said, well, you know, come on. I says, you've got buying, selling, or asking, buying, and selling on a price. And so if I want to go by the assessment of the tax value of my property, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, he was in a meeting with Michael Cohen, and he told Michael Cohen in the, the meeting, he goes, how, how big is this building? And it was like, I don't know, 11,000 square feet. He goes, well, I want to, I want to be registered as uh, being worth $8 billion in Forbes. He says, so change that to 33,000 square feet. And so he did that on several properties in front of Michael Cohen. And so they falsified the records on how big they were. And that that is, you know, that could get them in trouble. And they really think that that's really going to be what sinks them. And that'll set precedent for the other cases coming up behind that. And so it's it's going to be interesting if the Trumpster will survive this. Changing the square footage, huh? Yeah. With, of all people, Cohen to do it. Why? <laughs> Talking about cutting your well, own throat. Well, and then you got to go back. Why would you do that? It's ego. Yeah. You know, I, I want to show people how important I am. And I think we all know that Trump has that characteristic. Um, but saying that, I, he's been a great president on the things he did that were positive for this nation, energy security, uh, the Abraham Accords, uh, the, the way he got tough on China and trade. And, and there were so many good things he did that it's just a shame that his legacy, if he does go down, they'll remember him as the twice impeached president. That was a crook. Kind of like yeah. Nixon. Wow. That's too bad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see. I didn't hear sure. that before about the square footage. That's uh, that that is traceable. That is that that yeah. That's inside information I got yesterday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So much right. for stopping by. Hope to see you in a week. Take, Take care. care. God bless. See you Lord at Black Time Blue Jeans. Yeah, Lord Hog Command Center out. Bye.